It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's deflected and picked up Mosey. He'll take it in. It's a pick six into the middle of that line and it's a touchdown big return for Crowder 85 yards there was contact with the quarterback and it's incomplete they got pressure on Prescott it was Adams who came blitzing in he'll hit immediately when he got the handoff you know and what? it's <laughs> the Q-inator. oh my gosh listen thank you from the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for part two of the weekend mailbag. So for that, of course, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next is a series of questions from Tommy Griffin-Krantz. He says, favorite non-WWF, WWE storyline or match? There's a lot to choose from here, but off the top of my head, the one that sticks out for me is the 60-minute match between Nick Bockwinkle and Kurt Hennig from the AWA back in 1986. I believe it aired on Christmas Day that year on ESPN. You can probably find it on YouTube. I'm pretty sure it's on the Mr. Perfect DVD set that WWE released a couple of years ago, but one of my all-time favorite matches, just two absolutely incredible professional wrestlers, and Bockwinkle, who was in his 50s at the time and still pulled this off, and Kurt Hennig, who is a rising star at the time and then obviously went on to huge fame and fortune as Mr. Perfect in WWF later on. And then the other questions that he has that I think you can answer, Chris. First of all, will more players enter the supplemental draft due to the uncertainty of the college football season? You and I talked about that before we started recording. I think it's certainly possible. The question is, if somebody like Trevor Lawrence tries to petition to go into the supplemental draft, or if he threatens to sue, if it becomes clear that they either aren't going to play this season, or if there becomes some sort of situation where there's an abbreviated season or there's some sort of other uncertainty. So that's worth monitoring. I'd have to check the rules on that. But as far as the guys that are eligible, I think it's certainly a possibility. And then he asks about shows to watch because he's running out of shows to binge on Netflix. So, Tommy, I know you're a wrestling fan. If you haven't watched Dark Side of the Ring yet, you really should. That's a show that you don't even have to be a pro wrestling fan to enjoy because a lot of it is kind of true crime stuff. It digs under the surface of the seedier parts of the pro wrestling business and some of the crazy stuff that's happened. So even if you're not a wrestling fan, Dark Side of the Ring, which airs on Viceland, is a show that I recommend. And you can get all the episodes. I think they're on YouTube. There's some on Daily Motion, but you should be able to find them. And if you have Viceland, obviously, they're available on demand. They're in season two right now. We've talked about Tiger King before. Ozark is a terrific show. I just finished binging that. I know Chris really loves that. If you like Jason Bateman, you should definitely check that out. It's a really, really well done show. Liked it a lot. And then you've got your old classic war horses, 
Breaking Bad, The Sopranos, The Wire, if you haven't seen those. And of course, if you have seen Breaking Bad, but you haven't seen Better Call Saul, you should get on that. It got really, really good this past season. That's one of those shows that started off slowly and really built up. And now I'm really looking forward to the final season, which is going to come next year. So Chris, I'm going to spare you the wrestling question because I'm sure you don't have an answer for that. But what do you think about the supplemental draft? And are there shows you would recommend for Tommy and anybody else to binge watch? Yeah, the supplemental draft thing will be interesting. We were talking about this beforehand. I think that the NFL is going to try and probably be able to pull off some type of thing. I have a much harder time seeing college football being able to do it because they need fans and 75% of their revenue comes from fan attendance. Um, so, you know, obviously players who would have been eligible for this year's draft but decided to stay in will be eligible for the supplemental. I don't think that NCA will let Trevor Lawrence of the world go. Um, they would probably just have to sit out a season and then go into the next year's draft, but who knows? Uh, I'm not going to count on a the NCAA to do the right thing by these players, though. My guess is that they would fight uh, Trevor Lawrence's of the world at every step of the way. Um but it, it'll definitely make for a very interesting supplemental draft. I also just don't know if the NFL would be on board with that because, man, what would that a supplemental draft look like if, if everybody's just – if just all these players can just enter the draft and Trevor Lawrence and Jamar Chase is – like, that, that would be madness. Uh, it'd be a lot of fun, <laughs> but I don't know that that's something that the NFL and the NCAA will allow to happen. As for uh, TV shows, I, I mean, you know me, this is, this is what I do. It, this is always a hard question to add, answer because, you know, I don't know what you have seen. And whenever somebody frames it like he did, uh, running out of things to watch, I feel like a lot of the stuff that I will typically rattle off, you've probably already seen. Uh, you know, I'm very excited for the, the uh, special Parks and Rec episode that's going to air tonight. Um, a brand new one. So if you haven't watched that, that's that's my favorite show ever. And, and I completely relate to the running out of things on Netflix to watch. I actually just started watching Apple Plus shows because I was running. I, I ran out of everything on Hulu and and um, HBO. Uh, HBO's got a new show, show run uh, that that I enjoyed the first two seasons of or two episodes of. Um, but the Apple Plus shows, I watched this one called Home Before Dark. It's got two Justified alums in it. I, I talked to you about it. It's a little bit cheesy, but it's still kind of all right. Uh, but I did watch, they had this comedy uh, called Mythic Quest. It's uh, about like uh, role-playing video game, but it be the people that make it and everything behind it. Uh, the guy from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, not Charlie Day and not the guy at Dennis, but the other one. Rob McHelry, McElhaney is his name. So he's in it. Uh, Danny Pudi from uh, Communities in it. Uh, and it, it's a really, really funny show. Just nine episodes, but it, it's it's out there. It, it's uh, very entertaining and funny. Um, so I'm working my way through the Apple Plus ones. But yeah, you, you got the standards. Um that we've talked about and yeah, I'm, I'm running out of things myself though. Uh, obviously, you know, we, I, I talked about the home before dark, the justified alums. If you haven't seen justified, do that. Um, 
another one that I I really love and enjoyed that uh, a lot of people don't uh, don't talk about. A lot of people don't know is it, it's a sci-fi show. So if that's not your your thing, then I understood. But a show Fringe I really liked a long it was on a while ago. And then another one, uh, the show Psych. The show Psych is yes. kind of dumb. But it's it's really it's it's a great like I feel like that's a perfect quarantine show. Um, it's just it's really dumb, it's really stupid, but it's also really funny, and it's just great a kind of mindless television to just throw on and laugh at, and just be like, yeah, this is all some silly nonsense. Um, but again, and also of course, any Mike Schur show, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine Nine, The Good Place, uh, the, those are my uh, big recommendations. But I. I am a I I will sell the Mythic Quest on Apple Plus, and I'm working my way through all these other Apple Plus shows because, like I said, I I've tapped out Netflix and Hulu, so I needed to move on. Finally, pull the trigger on Apple Plus. Should say since you mentioned Psych, Chris, that they recently did a Q and A on Twitter. The writers and the creator of the show. And they revealed that there are going to be a minimum of five more Psych movies coming out. I think in conjunction with Peacock, which is a streaming service that NBC, who owns USA Network, is going to be doing. Because somebody asked about a reboot and they said, well, I don't know about a reboot, but we've got five movies left. And then we're going to try and figure out how to keep this going, which is good news for me. Because if you're somebody that loves 80s references and goofy comedy, Psych is perfect for you. And let me tell you something. James Roday and Dulé Hill have the kind of chemistry that you very rarely see on any television show. You would swear that they're best friends in real life, which maybe they are at this point, just based on the way that they interact. Absolutely hilarious. And you mentioned Community, by the way. If you haven't seen that show yet, that's another one that's well worth binging. All I'll say, Chris, and I'm sure you'll get this, and so will anybody who saw the show, Troy and Abed in the morning. I I love Community. It's it's. It's one I don't recommend a lot because it is uh, really weird and offbeat and mm-hmm. different. And so, like, it's not something, you know, it depends on the personality of who I'm talking to if I'm going to uh, recommend that to them. But if you like delightfully weird, community is up your alley. It is really smart, really stupid, really, really weird. But you will sit there with a giant smile on your face and just be like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous, over the top, absurd, but also wonderful and amazing. Um, it, it, I, my uh, description is always delightfully weird for that show. I absolutely love it. Yeah, Troy and Abed are great. And, uh, yeah, I, I love Community. Love it, love it, love it. It is really good. If, if you do give it a try, stick with it for a while, though, because it's one of those things that, like, takes a little while to get the rhythms and to understand what they're doing. They're bouncing all over the walls and it's, it's definitely different and weird, but if you stick with it, you're going to, I think you'll probably enjoy it no matter who it is. But I, I do uh, understand that some people probably won't stick with it. It is definitely meta and I don't mean Manish. (laughs) (laughs) And they talk about it being meta and it's meta and meta and meta. It's, but that's the fun in it. And, of course, anything with Joel McHale in it is going to be funny. And the fact that they found a way to get Chevy Chase out from under whatever rock he was hiding 
to play the role that he played was absolutely amazing. He was really funny in it, and he played the role perfectly. I don't even know how much acting was involved with what he was doing, just based on what you hear about Chevy Chase as a person. Next question comes in from G Tucker one 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 five. He says, "An overabundance of inside linebackers and very little at outside linebacker. Any chance someone slides over?" Do any of the inside guys have that capability? I don't think so, but I do think that you're going to see a lot of different packages. Williams will get a little funky, and you'll see different looks that'll allow them different flexibility at outside linebacker to make up for that. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't see any of those inside linebackers being able to do that, but I do think we can see continuation, maybe even an amplified version of what we saw with Jamal Adams last year where he was doing a lot of that stuff. And with the Ashton Davis pick, that could maybe free them up to do even more of that. Um, so I and I think you're right. You'll you'll see different combinations. There'll be uh, different um, angles they'll try to attack in those types of ways. But I th- I think if the more it's it's going to be you know probably trying to lean a little more on Jamal asking him to do that type of stuff for you because I just don't have players with that ability unless uh, Zaniga is, you know, better uh, than we think to start off the bat. Next question comes in from Scott Teaching. He says, what do you gentlemen think about the trade with the Patriots? What was your initial reaction when you saw that they were helping the enemy with this trade? What did you hear about what made Bill Belichick offer what he did? I think he offered what he did just because he really liked the player that he got the tight end out of Virginia, Dalton Keene. As far as helping the Patriots, it didn't really bother me because these are all dart throws and nobody really knows. It's not like they were helping him get to a Tagovailoa or something like that in the first round. That would have been a different story. But here in the third round when they're going up to get a tight end, it didn't really concern me that much, especially since we didn't know who they were getting. and I didn't see any super elite players that would have made me nervous. As far as my reaction, I was happy with it because it meant that the Jets were going to get two extra fourth round picks and a sixth next year. Thought it was great value. So I thought it was good. I wasn't upset by it at all. Yeah, my my initial reaction, you can tell this is how uh, Jets fans have uh, infected my brain and tainted my brain because my initial reaction was like, oh, they just traded up for a quarterback that's going to dominate the league for the next 20 years. (laughs) Uh, that was my initial. I was like, why would you do that so they could go get the quarterback that they want and is going to take over the world? Could have been um, a trade for Captain Morgan, Chris. <laughs> it, could, it could have been. Um, the, obviously, the Jets weren't that worried about the Patriots liking J, uh, James Morgan. So um, it, it, it very well could have been. But yeah, I think the reason why Belichick, you know, Be- Belichick. A, he loves to trade down more than he loves to trade up. But he is a- excellent, one of the best at working the draft in that way and gaining value. For him to give up more value than is typical in that situation, it's because he was trading with the Jets. And he valued that guy. He wanted to do it, so he was willing to give up a little bit more than he should have uh, normally had to do that. Uh, but he was willing to do that for that player. Um, but – Hey, that's fine. That's that wasn't the guy that the Jets were gonna take. So go ahead, take that, take advantage of that situation. Absolutely. Um, like I said, my at first initial reaction was like, oh, it, they're going quarterback, and that guy's gonna take over the world. But that's not what they did. They got a tight end. I, who knows how he's gonna turn out to be? But 
I'd make that move nine, uh, 10 times out of 10 if I'm Joe Douglas. Next question is a follow-up to the previous question about the supplemental draft. It's from Jesse Peretz. He says, do you think teams are going to be more active in the supplemental draft this year? I think this all depends on who becomes available. If it becomes a situation where a lot of players that were eligible for the draft that didn't come out and now have had second thoughts because of what's going on end up in the supplemental draft, you will definitely see teams be more active. But it remains to be seen how that shakes out. Yeah, it, it remains to be seen there, but it, and also what's going to happen with the college football season and then going into next year, because by the time the supplemental comes, maybe we know that there is or isn't going to be a college season. And let's say that, uh, let's just say hypothetically that we know there isn't going to be a college season or it's going to be extremely short and limited college season. And then maybe teams are sitting there looking at it and being like, hey, listen, we're not going to have the same amount of film and stuff to study on these guys going into the draft. So maybe I'd be, they'd be more inclined to spend a second or a third round pick on somebody that they already have enough uh, done enough work on and already know, as opposed to being willing to roll the dice on more of an unknown in the following year's draft. So there's a lot of moving parts here to see. I, I would probably just right now, you forced me to guess, I would probably say there's going to be a little more action in the supplemental draft this year. I would say that there's probably going to be a, a you know, listen, if, I, if I'm a kid that's eligible for the supplemental draft, I might, and I have enough, put out at, at least enough tape, I might sit here and look at, the, at this college football situation this season and say, you know what? No matter what, they play a full season, limited season, no matter what. It just doesn't make sense for me to do this this year. Let me just uh, uh, enter the supplemental draft. So I could see more names being involved, and I could absolutely see more teams being willing to uh, spend you know, some of those mid-round picks on something that's more known than more of an unknown in the draft. Uh, how much more, I'm not sure. We could just be talking like three to five names, you know? Um but I would expect I would expect probably at least a slight uptick in the at the least. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint 
unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Daniel M2K2020. He says, who do you think ultimately wins that second starting quarterback job on the other side of Pierre Desir, bless Austin Quincy Wilson or Bryce Hall? Here's my very short answer. I think if Hall is healthy and has a legitimate chance to compete, he wins as the dark horse. That's my pick. And if he isn't healthy and he's not ready to compete, doesn't get that fair opportunity because of what's going on right now, then I think Bless Austin will get it simply because he has familiarity with the coaching staff and did put in some good showings last year. So that's my quick prediction at this point without knowing all the facts that we're going to have a couple months from now. I don't necessarily disagree with um, what you just said on both fronts. But I'm going to go ahead and say Quincy Wilson is – I have Quincy Wilson as the favorite there. I just think veteran presence, the, I think he's a better fit in Greg Williams' defense than he was, was with the Colts. It would be pretty funny to uh, for them to uh, be trotting out Pierre Desir and Quincy Wilson, uh, both former Colts right there. Um, but I, I, I think that Quincy Wilson's the safe bet there with uh, Blessed Austin and Hall both having – um, more potential and higher upside to being there. But I, I feel like it's just, again, shortened off season there. I, I feel like Quincy Wilson probably start the season as that opposite starter. That's where I'd put my money on. If, if we're talking about finishing the season, uh, I, I might go elsewhere there. But uh, I, I'm, you're not wrong what you said about Bryce Hall. And if he's healthy and gets the chance, I could uh, – Absolutely, without question, see that. It wouldn't surprise me in the least. It also wouldn't surprise me if Lesson Austin did. But uh, I just I just think the veteran, the fit in Greg Williams' defense, I think Quincy Wilson has the best chance to uh, get that starting job to open up the season. Next question comes in from Michael Palace. He says, everyone talks about the 3-4 or the 4-3 defense. But in the past happy NFL, there's a lot of sub packages. Do you think there's a chance the Jets will use three two six dime base with Jamal Adams in the box and Maine Davis as the safeties to help mitigate some edge deficiencies? Yeah, I don't see why not. They'll use a bunch of different looks. You'll see Greg Williams get creative. As we talked about, they don't have a lot on the edge. And they're going to mix and match. And that's the beauty of having Ashton Davis here is that it allows them that flexibility. Davis is going to play a lot of different spots. He'll play some center field. He'll play up on the line a little bit. He'll play some linebacker. He's going to play in the slot at times. So I think that having a player like him allows them to be more creative. And I think that you're certainly going to see a wide mixture of different packages. Yeah, and that's the reason why I love that Ashton Davis pick and I continue to love it more and more as it goes. 
it that's another chess piece for uh, Greg Williams to use. It frees him up to use Jamal in different ways. Uh, they can use him in different ways. I absolutely see him in the slot and him filling in in some dime packages there at corner, uh, playing some single high or just more intermediate routes too. Um, I can absolutely see them doing those three safety sets and using Jamal more blitzing situations. This is Greg Williams. He's going to have to, he's going to come up with creative ways to free guys up. You know, maybe uh, he comes up ways to scheme up to occupy the offensive line more, and uh, Jordan Jenkins can go in there and do more damage than we've seen. Um, we know that's a big reason why Jordan Jenkins is still here because he trusts Greg Williams to do that. And so he said, instead of me going, getting a little more elsewhere, I'll come back to the Jets and Greg Williams will maximize what I can get next year. Um, so I absolutely see that. Uh, I, I, I see all types of funky uh, defensive scheming going on from Greg Williams. And I, and I think Ashton Davis will allow him to do a lot more of that. Next question comes in from Damian Shaw. He says, since the draft is done, when was the last time that you were this excited about the Jets draft class? Also, with the draft finished, do you think the Jets will have more than five wins this season? Really hard to answer the second part of that question. As Chris and I said before, there are just so many variables. But I could certainly see a situation where they only win five games, especially because of the tough schedule. As far as the last time I was this satisfied with the draft class, you'd have to go back a while. I guess the last time I was at least excited was probably 2009 when they drafted Sanchez. I was lukewarm on Sanchez as a prospect, but I was really hyped up at the chance to get a guy that might be the quarterback here for the next decade or so, if he could live up to what the comparisons were. If you recall, Mike Mayock compared him to Matt Ryan coming out of school, so if he could have lived up to that, I think that would have been a huge home run, despite the fact that they didn't pick a lot of players in that draft. I believe it was just him. Dustin Keller and Matt Slauson in the sixth round, if I recall, though. All three of those guys went on to be starters, so it was a pretty good draft class, even though there were only a few picks. That was probably the last time I was this pleased with what the Jets did in the draft. Ultimately, you hope that this draft class ends up being better than that one because Sanchez flamed out. Dustin Keller had his moments but never turned into the consistent player that you wanted him to be. And Slauson was okay. Certainly good value in the sixth round, but you're hoping that Cameron Clark becomes better than that. So that was probably the last time that I was this pleased with what they did. Yeah, if, if I was going to go back further, I'd go uh, to the Mangold Bergeshaw Ferguson draft. Um, just get those two offensive linemen one draft and yep, sign me up for that. But I'm actually going to go a little bit sooner and I'm going to go with a Mike McCagney draft, but it's just because of Sam Darnold. Um, when they drafted Sam Darnold, uh, how they were able to get, get him and just, I, I was not, uh, a, a big Sanchez believer when they drafted him. I do agree with what everything you said there, but I was, all those feelings uh, times 20 when they drafted Sam Darnold. But that's just a one-player situation there. Um, so if, if we're just talking top-to-bottom draft and not just, okay, think you got franchise guy, I'd probably have to go back to Mangold and DeBrickashaw. I was pumped for Darnold, but I think part of the problem for me was 
I hated that they had to give up so much to move up, especially since they were supposed to be quote-unquote tanking that year. And also, I didn't really like the rest of that draft class. Plus, with Sanchez, the Jets really ripped the Browns off in that deal. They got up from 17-5 to for next to nothing. So that, I think, added to my level of excitement. Next question comes in from Seth Silverton. He says, is it me or is the Joe Douglas philosophy large, mean, fast, and imposition of will? More or less, but (laughs) that's pretty much the philosophy of most general managers. It's just a matter of whether you can get guys that fill the bill for that. Should also add in with Joe Douglas, high character, because he was clearly aiming for that. So, yeah, I think you're right. But again, that's what most general managers search for. It's merely a matter of whether they're able to get the guys that can live up to that. Yeah, I agreed with that. Uh, that's def- You're definitely right. Um, there's no doubt about that. Uh, that was obviously a uh, – w- what those are definitely the big trades that he is looking for. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, that fits with a lot of them. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I wrote the, an article after free agency that we're starting to find out who Joe Douglas is as a general manager. And this draft showed us that even more, uh, what he values. And a, a lot of it's the same things as everybody else, but the the speed, the athleticism, the power, that those are traits that he is looking for. And those are traits that you should be looking for. So uh, overall, just if you're wondering about Joe Douglas going forward, this, this had to be a good uh, – a good draft for you. Like I said, those, those middle picks still uh, I'm not in love with, but I get them and uh, it makes sense to me. So I, I think if you're wondering how to evaluate Joe Douglas coming out of this, uh, I'm, I'm feeling better than I was before the draft about him. Next question comes in from the great Kevin Jackson, Spotty Blackman. He says, Morgan was presumably a Gase pick. What exactly does it mean for his chances of making the roster? Also, looking at cornerback additions, would it be safe to say that that position will be the most fun to watch for battles in training camp? So let's start with the first part of this. Morgan is definitely making the roster. There's no question about it because there's no way they can leave him unprotected to try and sneak him onto the practice squad. Somebody's going to take him. We already know that the Patriots liked him. They're not going to risk that. As far as the cornerback competition, yeah, absolutely. That's going to be the most fun one to watch because there's a clear open spot for a starting job. I don't know that you necessarily have that in a lot of other areas where you have that many guys competing. So you're going to see a bunch of hungry players trying to earn that starting job, and I definitely think that's going to be the most fun battle to watch in training camp. Yeah, I already said that earlier, so I I kind of stepped on that question. Uh, But yeah, that's going to be the most fun. Every year I always look for which position battle is going to be the most fun. And some years it's easier than others. And some years you get uh, where it's like, yeah, this position battle is going to be awful to watch. You know, we've seen that with uh, receivers over the years. Sometimes there's just been nothing there. This one, there's there's something there with these guys. And it's there's going to be – it's going to be a lot of fun to watch and see how it goes. Um, but, yeah – uh, I, I'm with you on the James Morgan thing. He's he is going to be uh, on the roster. There's just no way around it. Uh, you don't pick him in that situation unless that's the case. Um, and of course, we know going into uh, this, 
they need uh, the the backup quarterback. They took him there, and they're not going to risk losing him. So that they will be – he will be on the roster. I do think this was – you know, this could very well could have been uh, – and my belief is that it, this was an Adam Gase pick. Joe Douglas allowed him to, to have this. But uh, I don't expect much out of him this year, but he's going to be on the roster. You're going to see him. Next question comes in from Joe Heldman. He says, does Ashton Davis being a good kick returner spell the end of the Trenton Cannon era? Probably, but I think it's not just that. They obviously got another running back with P. Ryan, and Cannon's been hurt, and Vincent Smith was doing kick returns last year, so I think he's more likely to make the roster than Trenton Cannon is. So I think that, yeah, most likely Trenton Cannon is gone, and the Trenton Cannon era will be over, but let's be honest, it never really got started. Yeah, I'm I'm in full agreement with you here. I I think that the Trenton Cannon era was probably going to be over no matter what. Um, that's just how I see it. Um, so, yeah. But I'm not, like I said, I'm still not willing to uh, pencil in Ashton Davis as uh, the guy handling that there. I think it's possible, sure, but I'm not penciling that in. That's going to wrap up part two of the weekend mailbag. Don't forget to follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. If you haven't given the show a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.